He has risen. He has risen indeed. Praise the Lord. I'm excited to be here with you all. Happy Easter and welcome to Valley Lights Church. You know, we carve out one Sunday every single year to celebrate a unique historical event. So today we're focusing our attention on the fact that God raised Jesus Christ from the grave. Jesus was dead. Dead as a doornail. No life fully, completely dead. But he was resurrected to new life. His resurrection was a supernatural, miraculous act of God. And to this day, it remains the most significant event in human history. So I'm really glad that you're spending your Easter with us here today. My name is Bruce Wood. I'm the lead pastor of Valley Lights. And today we're going to look at the Bible to see how the resurrection of Jesus connects to a very relevant part of our lives to us in a significant way. God did the impossible by raising Jesus from the dead. And if he can do that, certainly he can change some impossible situations in my life too. Let me start by reading a very important passage about the resurrection from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's uh, written by the Apostle Paul, and he describes the appearances of Jesus after his death. And in verse 8, he says, I'm the least of the apostles, and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. I appreciate that statement quite a lot. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Because I can think of a lot of moments in my life when I've needed the grace of God to cover my blatant sins. From, pretty much from birth through now. <laughs> the whole time. If I go back maybe to my high school years, I think about times that I caused some pretty deep offense and hurt to some of my family members. And I did some things in those years that took years to repair. And then I think... A little later, in my early part of my marriage, I struggled a lot, often, with hiding things from my wife. Sneaking, not being honest, and breaking trust down as a result of that. Then, in my early career pursuits in the medical field, before I got into ministry, I, I led what I'd call a, a small mutiny against one of my bosses. And uh, attacked my boss and had some other people behind me, and uh, I discovered how rageful an offended person could get in that situation. That was, that was a pretty cringeworthy moment when I think about that. And then later, amazingly, God allowed me to get some ministry training in a church. And uh, there were times, as an associate pastor at a, another church, there was a few times I got sucked into being offended at other people, church members actually, and I got judgmental and bitter bitterness grew in me towards, towards people. That happened a few times. And then a lot of relational damage fell out because of that. So when I look over my life, I can easily recount a lot of cringeworthy moments or whole seasons. And, you know, certainly there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of spiritual growth and there's, there's been some victory over struggles that God has given me. But I, I can trace, if I look, I can trace themes of selfishness and unforgiveness I can trace themes of pride. And some of those patterns are still causing struggle to this day. In fact, I haven't won all those battles yet. I'll, it, there, there's, there, even since the start of this year, 2023, I've been embroiled in some pretty intense spiritual battles, and, and not all of those have I won. So I will be the first to admit today that I am a sinner, and I'm in need of a Savior every day of my life. 
That's why, like Paul, I would say, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I'm, not, I'm not even worthy to receive his grace. On Easter, so on Easter, this is why I love Easter, I have, I have reason to celebrate that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my many sins, and I celebrate on Easter that the resurrection provides the power that, and authority that I desperately need to break free from my own destructive ways. So the death and the resurrection of Jesus are very precious to me, not because it's turned my life into a string of wonderful successes. The death and resurrection have prevented me from crumbling under my string of failures in my life. I don't know, I actually, I hate to think about where I would be if the grace of God had not descended into my life. Back in January, I damaged our church trailer by hitting a, a parking structure. <laughs> so if you've been a part of Valley Lights, you've heard some updates about this. And so yeah, pastor crashed and uh, <laughs> I messed up our stuff, damaged the trailer. So the roof got ripped open, crunching aluminum, bending metal, exposing wires and insulation, just in time for the rainy season. <laughs> so this happened in January. You know how rainy it's been? Yeah. So I, uh, when this happened, I called a lot of repair centers in Southern California, and, the, every, and every time the cost to repair far exceeded the cost to uh, the worth of the trailer. So this was, and this actually happened on our first day in this location. We're like, yay, grand opening. <laughs> like, man, this is a downer. So I was discouraged. I, didn't, I felt stuck. The solution that God provided came from within our church family, though. So I couldn't outsource this problem. Um, a group of men in our church with the tools and the experience needed came together over many Sundays. It's taken a few months to get this done. Spent many hours on ladders, even late into the night in darkness by like phone flashlight, um, getting the job done. And we sealed up the final piece last Sunday so that today on Easter Sunday, we can celebrate the trailer has been resurrected to new life. <laughs> it's been resurrected from the dead. So, all right, you're like, okay, yay, trailer. Probably doesn't feel like a big deal to you necessarily. But just imagine in your own job or your own workplace or in your own home, uh, a stressful problem that you just can't figure out. You're not really sure how it's going to get resolved. And then God starts moving the obstacles out of the way. It's a really good feeling when you see God taking care of you that way. So seeing that last piece get riveted in last Sunday was a very exciting moment for me. Probably more exciting for me than anybody. But I feel connected to that trailer in a strange way. And I, I've wondered if God allowed that damage to provide a visual representation of my own life. Because sometimes I feel like I'm the one who's ripped open, crunched, bent, and exposed. A few weeks ago, during an especially difficult personal battle, my wife Erin sent me an encouraging email while I was at work, and she, she noticed this too. She said, you know, it's been really encouraging seeing the trailer get repaired. And week by week, God's providing the resources needed to get that done. And she pointed out, in a similar way, I think God is doing a work in you and me, and I know he's going to keep bringing the help and the resources and the truth to guide the process. So seeing the trailer get all sealed up, I could envision God working in me to seal up some broken parts of me too. It's going to take a lot longer, I, I know. But you know what, that's, that's an encouraging point. She pointed me to the transforming work of God that's still in progress. But it is in progress. So it's possible that you're here today and you have recently experienced your own frustration 
or discouragement, or maybe you're disappointed about something that didn't turn out the way that you hoped it would. Maybe you're fearful about something in the future, or tonight, or five years from now. Or maybe you're confused about something. Maybe you're angry at somebody, full of lust, perhaps. You might see your lives as run-down, hopeless, purposeless stories. Perhaps you've even gone so far as to make statements like, there's no hope for me. If you only knew who I've been, if you know where I've been. Sometimes we say hopeless things like that over and over, and then these thoughts are on replay in our minds, and the tragedy is, without God's help, those things become a reality. They're like self-fulfilling prophecies. I have good news. God has the power to do the impossible, as evidenced by the resurrection. He has the power to rewrite your story. He has a track record of writing transformational stories. And so I want to look again at this chapter in the Bible. I started in in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. It's all about the resurrection, but now we're going to jump back to the beginning of this chapter now. And Paul, he was writing about this, and he says in verse 1, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And here's, here's a really significant part of this chapter. This is of first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Our sin is the reason Jesus died. Our precondition is that we are dead, hopeless, and without any chance of restoration. And when people begin exploring Christianity, maybe they didn't grow up in a church home, or maybe they're kind of new to what it means to be a Christian, they start exploring, and then they start wanting to draw close to God. And that's a good thing, but we start feeling the weight of our sin. So you're like, oh, I want to draw close to God. And then you're like, ooh, that doesn't feel that good, though. I'm feeling a weight. And the weight of our sin starts pressing down on us. Sin is... What it, what it is, a definition is failing to measure up to God's perfect standards. Sin is any kind of wrongdoing. Because God has given us conscience, like you guys all have a conscience, right? So like you know when you cross the line. So God gave that to us so that when we do wrong, we feel a sense of guilt. So that, that's, that's some of that weight that we begin to feel is our own guilt. But then our sin causes problems for our lives, and that adds more weight. So you're like, oh, I just totally messed up this situation. So you feel the weight of that. Could be a bad attitude, could be lashing out, dealing with addictions, it could be a trail of broken relationships in my life. Could be the endless chase for material stability and stuff. Could be constant temptation. Can't get a grip on. So when's the last time that you felt the weight of your own sin? Have you considered what God thinks about the way that you're living? Maybe your conscience has kicked in recently. Maybe you felt that. And, you know, I'd say we're probably all, we're all pretty good at pushing off a guilty conscience. We're like, uh, oh, you know, I don't like that icky feeling, so I'm just going to push that off. Well, the trouble is, if we push off a guilty conscience too long, it becomes dull and calloused. And so suddenly we don't actually feel the guilt we used to feel. And that sets us even further away from the power that we need to find real freedom in life. For some people here, 
you might be in a wrestling match with your conscience. And maybe you're like, I'd rather it be dull and callous at this point. I don't want to think about it. For others, maybe your life has already come crashing down, and you know, I've created a mess. So whether we admit it or not, our sin weighs us down, leaving us in a hopeless state. Our sin really weighs, weighs us down. And the weight of sin is heavy, and it should be, because it's a real problem. And if you were to imagine your sin, uh, imagine it like an avalanche that buries you alive. And you, maybe you're out for a nice ski one day, and then avalanche comes, you get buried, and there's no hope unless someone pulls you out. So I'm going to actually illustrate this concept with a video of something that happened just about a week ago in Washington. A skier got buried in a, an avalanche. So check this out. So this guy, he's going to go by this snowboard right there. It takes a while for him to climb up. I cut some of it out, but it takes him a while to get up there. Whew, stressful, right? Stressful. Oh, man. Actually, it took him a while. He, the guy nearly like, probably got a heart attack trying so hard to get to that guy's face so he could breathe. So I like this video because, man, it's a great, it's a great representation of our spiritual situation. So imagine your sin weighing down on you. Actually, it covers you and buries you. Your, our situation is hopeless. So in that situation, he was immobilized. He couldn't even move his arms and legs. So imagine total blackness, can't see, can't do anything, can't call anybody, can't reach a cell phone, nothing. Pure hopelessness. I'm sure that guy thought, I'm dead. I'm going to die here in this awful cold mountain. That's our situation spiritually. And for us, in our sin, there is no hope for you unless someone comes to rescue you. That's what Jesus did. 
Jesus came and he dug us out of our mess and our sin and our shame and all of our problems. And the only thing that's different about Jesus, though, or, well, actually, there's a few, but one of the things that's different about Jesus is instead of just digging out and we'd ride down together, he changed places. So he got buried and he died. He actually was willing to change places with us. And so all that weight of sin went on him, yours and mine and everybody's. So crushed and buried him, Jesus, so he died. Oh, that's our sin. So the problem for a lot of people, though, is, first of all, if we do stay buried and we never turn to him and get rescued by him, we will experience eternal death and separation from God forever. The other problem is a lot of people don't realize they're buried. A lot of people don't realize my sin has completely covered me over. Because, you know, like sometimes life is okay and I'm kind of like making my way through and uh, I'll just figure it out on my own. People don't realize how buried they are. This is why Jesus came to die, because we're buried and time is running out. There will be no more oxygen at a certain point. So that's why in verse 4 it says, he died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and then he was buried. He was buried in the tomb, not in snow, but he was buried. That he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of them who are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one to abnormally born. So Paul's in this section, he's just, he's writing about the many credible witnesses to the resurrection. The best possible evidence for any case is the eyewitness testimony, which they have an abundance of. So this is backed up, and then he makes this interesting statement. He says that Jesus, his last appearance was to me. He says, I'm, I'm, why would Jesus appear to me? I'm the most unworthy guy in the list because of my past. In fact, he says, next verse, he says, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And that's when he says, But for the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. He says, No, I worked harder than all of them. That's not a prideful thing. He's just saying, no, I'm so motivated because of what I've been rescued from. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Before Paul encountered Christ, he was an unbeliever, a sinner, unworthy, Christ-hating Christian killer. He's a bad guy. You would not want to get on his bad side. You probably didn't want to get on his good side because he was probably just like an, an obnoxious, arrogant rough person to be around. He describes himself as arrogant. So maybe even his friends, maybe they didn't even like him. <laughs> but you know what happened is he was burying himself under an avalanche of sin, and Jesus plucked him out. He was completely transformed and became a messenger of the risen Christ. And we see that in the life of Paul, the grace of God redeems the worst pasts. The grace of God redeems the worst pasts. Do you have any bad things in your past? Have you experienced an avalanche of trouble in your own life? Have you ever thought, I can't be saved because I'm so contaminated, I'm so dirty, I'm so broken, you have no idea what has happened in my life. I'm different from you good people because I could never ever be accepted by a holy God. 
Or maybe you're already a saved follower of Jesus, and you would say, yeah, I'm saved. My situation is hopeless. What, I, what I'm experiencing right now, it can't get any better. I, it can't get better. I can't get better. I'm stuck. We're stuck. This situation is hopeless. What we just read in the Bible, it's for people that make those statements. Until Jesus came, Paul was living an awful life. And what I find interesting is that the grace of God could have stepped in sooner and transformed Paul's life and saved a whole lot of people a whole lot of trouble. Wouldn't have that have been nice? The grace of God could have come sooner and prevented Paul from becoming a blaspheming, arrogant, Christ-hating man. But God waited. Why did Paul get an extra-long leash to run out on and create all kinds of problems? The answer is found in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul writes, he says, Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an arrogant man, he says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. But I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus, might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. God didn't make Paul sin. God didn't force him into being a bad guy, just so he can make a point. Paul got himself into trouble. We get ourselves into trouble. But God did let Paul go and accumulate loads of sin and damage. And God had a very specific purpose in mind. So imagine this really simple timeline. At one point, Paul was born. And we'll see this on a, on a timeline here. And then at one point, he found Jesus. This is like the most basic of life timelines right here. <laughs> So, you know, later, so when he found Jesus, it was that transformational encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, the bright light, all that. In the space between these two moments, birth and finding Jesus, he was burying himself in a pile of sin. And Jesus could have come sooner. Jesus could have come, like, at this point, or at this point, or at this point, or at this point, or over here. But Jesus came there for a certain reason. Why did he wait? Why did, why did he wait all that time? Well, he says, it's so that Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example for us. So the grace of God drew Paul out of his damaging lifestyle, even out of murder and torture of Christians, and made him an apostle, a humble, godly man who helped others find new life in Christ. So if God was willing to redeem Paul, this means, could this mean, possibly, that God has extraordinary patience for me and you? That's what he's saying. From the time that Paul was in the womb all the way to his conversion, the grace of God allowed Paul to become a sinful person so that he would later become useful in God's kingdom in a way that he wouldn't otherwise be. That's amazing to think about. It was, it was for a reason. When our trailer broke, when I broke our trailer. <laughs> it seemed like meaningless trouble at first. I'm like, come on, grand opening, broken trailer, rain's coming this week, why God? Seriously, could you not have just prevented that? I can see now that God used it as an opportunity for strengthening faith in me, first of all, for me to trust God more. Also, I had to do a lot more work, which sometimes is what God wants us to do. I can also see that it, it really forged some bonds of friendship for some of those guys that got to work together 
on a big, hard project. And that's a good thing, too. And it allowed people in our church to use their giftings to build up the church. These are all really good things. I do not wish for more trailer damage. <laughs> but I am really glad about some of the things that came out of it. So, and honestly, I, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't go back, prevent it from happening because of the good things that came out of it and the way that God encouraged me. I will accept it as God's plan. In a similar way, in my own life, to get more personal, I really, really don't like conflict with people, especially when it's people that are close to me, especially in my own home. I prefer peace. I like that better. But you know what? Sometimes it is awfully rocky, and I can see God is working a greater purpose in all of that, despite the sins that I contribute, despite the sins that others are contributing, where I sin, God's, God's grace is big enough to bring me through it and bring good out of it. Thank you. Are we dropping? So, you can turn this down a little bit. I want to be loud. So, even, even Joseph said this in, in Genesis 50, 20. He said, these people, they meant it for harm. The enemy meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. God's big enough to do that. The grace of God is a power. It's a plan. It's a wisdom that makes us what we are. That's why Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So from the time of your birth through now, how have you filled up your own timeline? Have you filled it up with problems? <laughs> all kinds of sin and damage. Maybe you feel like you are a certain kind of person. I, I'm, I am this way. I'm broken or whatever. Maybe you are a certain kind of person that can't be used by God because of your past. These Bible passages are here to say that's not true. God, it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter how bad it is. God's grace is power. It flows through the death and resurrection of Christ. And that is why we celebrate Easter. So I want, to, I want you to hear a few stories to, from just two guys from our church who have experienced life transformation in Christ. So I'm going to invite Mitchell and Sergey up to uh, over here, and I'm going to interview them. Yes, sir. Come on down. So we've got um, Mitchell is one of the guys that helped us to uh, get the church started uh, about two and a half years ago, and then Sergey is actually pretty new to our church. He's been going. Him and his family been going for a couple of months. And uh, I love, they both got some pretty amazing stories about life transformation. And so I wanted to, I wanted to ask them about their experience. Okay, so first question I'll ask you, and then I'll ask you. Okay. So I'm going to ask you two questions. One would be, how would you describe the avalanche that you were stuck under? Sure. Um, so for me, um, I recognize kind of in my teens I had a lot of freedom had a lot of new opportunities and really trying to find a sense of identity for myself. And that meant I got to kind of figure that out and discover it on my own. That led to a lot of trouble. Um, it led to a lot of friendships and relationships that had no boundaries, had no limits, which left kind of this wake or this trail of destruction of relationships behind me. Um, and that led to kind of this building on for years and years and years. It really affected the way that I approached dating, the ways that I approached friendships, and really affected my family. And so the avalanche was really, um, I didn't know how to like, really relate to people in a healthy, kind way. It was very selfish. 
and then I would kind of do and take what I wanted in the relationships and um, broke my relationship with my parents. And so I kind of thought at this point, I was just gonna um, continue on in my 20s and be pretty alone, be pretty isolated, um, keep doing my, my own way, which made me feel just, left me feeling very, very empty. Pause on that, we'll go to this one. So how would you describe your experience before you met Jesus? Uh, good morning, Jesus family. Uh, so the, uh, the little video, excuse me, my English is a bit low, uh, sorry for that. So the, the, remember the video about the snowboard man? That was me, like just if, if I describe my life in two words. So, um, so go back to my life. Uh, I originally came from Belarus, and uh, I have a really um, tough life. Like, uh, I was born in poor family, and my father, what I remember from my uh, childhood, my father was alcoholic man, and he was drinking every single day. And when he drinking, and he beat me, my mom, and that was happened all my childhood. I never saw the toys, all these things. Only what I see, what I saw, it was like vodka, you know? And that was my life, actually. And like, in, like when I was like uh, age 13, I started drinking vodka, too, because there is like, what I see in my childhood, only vodka, what can I do? So I started to do this thing, too. And so that was happened to me when I get like 18 or 20, my life was like absolutely empty and like what I only one joy I have is a vodka, you know, and like this is the cheapest way to get fun over there in that time because like drugs are a little bit uh, expensive and like and too much trouble, too much trouble, you have like too much anger, too much hate, you hate all world and so if it's like if you see me in that life, that was me like small piece of anger or hate and or and pain, you know. And that was me that time. And uh, my mom come to Jesus first, and one time she told me, you know what, you're gonna die because like after I see my my half of my one part of my family they die from the alcoholism. So, and I was like, that was my future. It's gonna be my future too. And she told me, you know what? I wanna ask you, just go with me into the church one time. A little bit nervous, you know? <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people. But this is a true story, you know? I, I just, I can see your faces. You can see my face. This is true, true story of my life, you know? She told me, I can ask you only one time, go with me to the church and like, if nothing happened, if you don't like it, feel free, never come in. So I say, okay, only one time I go. And at that time I was like, you know, when you're drinking, drinking, and after you have a, in the morning, you have a huge headache, you know? And at that time I was me, and I was this like headache, I go to the church, and I don't remember what what was the preach order. So, but I I remember only like, call from Jesus, you have to go in front and you have to face me. And when I go there and I repent over there, so from that time, Jesus sent me free. Yeah. And I never left the church. 
<laughs> so I never left the church even for one Sunday, you know, because I know the price, you know. Amen. So this is just two words, you know, I don't want to uh, use in, uh, spend this time. So if we, I describe my life. That's great. Okay. That's great. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, he said, um, he had told me before that the addiction to alcohol disappeared immediately. Yeah, yeah. I, I was... I was smoking and I was drinking. I used to uh, like drugs, but like in that time, in that day, Jesus sent me free and just like this. And I don't know what's happened because like, I try, you know, when you, when you have like, when you experience all this uh, like weight of the bad life, you try to fix your life by your power, but like you try to, okay, do this, some practice, no work. I try to like, five or six times escaped from the smoking or from the alcoholism and no work. And at that time, like when I when I give my heart to the Jesus, he set me free immediately without any like practicing. This is how he worked, you know? Mm. And I never go back to that thing because like it's not only he give, he send you free, but he give you power doesn't go back to this thing. That's the most important thing because like problem with addiction, you like you use an alcohol or drugs and like you don't have power to stop it. You go back to it, you know? And what happened with the Jesus, when you give him your life, he give you power. He take all this sin and he give you power to live the holy life, you know? Righteousness. So this is the, and another thing what, what I uh, learned from my experience from the Jesus, look, when you wake up after when you have a like party, although those are like alcoholism experience, you wake up empty. Every morning you wake up empty and like what you try to find more vodka to fill it out and like feel a little bit better. Or somebody uses pills right now, you know, like uh, because depression. What happened with me when I wake up, he gives me joy. This is, we have a word in the Bible. His mercy renew every morning. So you wake up every morning, you don't need the pills, you don't need the alcohol to feel joy. And this is the amazing thing what happened with mm. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that about yourself. And well spoken too. So hang on one second. And then we'll, we'll come over here. Um, so you can share what, so you came to Christ. And what were some of the results from that for you in your experience? Sure. Um, so I went to a Christian college. I was a Christian. I went there to swim and actually met a guy on campus who shared the gospel with me for that was my first understanding of the fact that like life can be done a different way. Um, and so from that, I realized I don't have to keep trying to do it on my own. The hopelessness, the emptiness that I've been experiencing for a decade could really change. Um, and so from that, I slowly over time got really transformed my heart to really care and to really want to be like a, a help and serve and love other people, just being selfish, which allowed gradually um, restoration of different friendships and relationships, one of them being with my parents, one of them eventually allowed me to consider like dating and getting married, things that at that time in my life I had never thought was a possibility. Um, and so it was a very slow progression. God's still really working on those areas. But, um, I definitely see a very different future than what I would have thought of 10 years ago. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You can head back. Praise God. So those are some stories of life transformation. God can do the impossible. In my life, I've seen it. In these lives and in your life, no one's too far gone. 
God redeems the worst pasts, no matter how bad you think yours is. So perhaps today you would like Jesus to pull you out of an avalanche. It's not by mistake that you're here today. In fact, even if you're not in an avalanche, God brought you here today. He directs our steps. And so it's on purpose that you're here. God brought each of us into this room out of his grace and kindness. So let me just throw a few next steps for you to consider in response to this. One thing that you might want to do today is to turn from your sin and turn to God. Maybe you've been circling this idea for a while. Maybe you've never considered it. But come to Jesus. This is the starting point. Turn from your sin in humble repentance and put your faith in Jesus. And I want, you to sh I want to show you something on your connection card. So everyone in the room, grab that card that you received in your program. Even if you didn't fill it out before, just grab it right now. Go ahead and everybody grab it. And I want to show you something on that card. There is a box that says, um, send me more information about following Jesus for the first time. And if that's you, and if you do want to talk about that, check that box. And another thing you could do, maybe you're not quite ready yet, but maybe you'd like to use that card to sign up for the Discovering Faith Dinner, and you can learn more about following Christ. And then if none of those apply or if any of those apply, just go ahead and everyone put your name on that card, and we're going to all turn those in at the end. Really, these cards are a great way for us to know that you are here, for us to pray for you. I pray for you guys throughout the week, and we have a team that does that, uh, for us to know what's going on in your life. So make sure you put your name down, even if you've been here before, and throw those in the baskets in a few minutes. Another next step that you might do is to reject the thoughts of lies and hopelessness and resignation. Have you ever felt hopeless or resigned? This is all there is. It's not going to get any better. There's no hope for me. This situation is hopeless. You can reject those thoughts today. Those, saying those things or thinking them, it's like prophesying bad things for myself. They're like self-fulfilling prophecies that need to be broken. They're like curses, actually. So you can break curses and lies like that in your own life by saying and praying, God, God, would you forgive me by owning these lies and these thoughts? God, you are in charge. You have promised ultimate good for those who love you. God, I thank you for sending Jesus to forgive me of all my sins. Those lies and thoughts will not have any power or effect over me any longer in the name of Jesus Christ. You can pray that if you need help with that. Or if you want my script, I can give you that too. Third next step you might consider is commit to come back next Sunday. So we would love to see you again. Today was the first message in a new series called Before and After. And we're looking today how the resurrection renovates our spiritual life and makes us new. What we were before is not the same as what we are after. So next week, I want to take this idea further. At times in my life, I've realized I'm stuck in some damaging patterns of behavior. I mean, like, even after becoming a Christian, even after becoming a pastor. We may recognize patterns that are deep in our family history or maybe things that have been going on in our, in our families for generations. There are some ruts that feel so overwhelming that it's hard, it's hard to even imagine a different life. It can be difficult to imagine breaking the bonds and chains that hold us back or keep us stuck. So let us know on, the, on, your, on that card. Let us know if you want to come back next week. There's a, there's a box that you can check for that as well. I really do hope that you come back. And if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, I'll be just in the back of this room. 
I'd love to say hello and meet you for the first time. And I'd like to close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this morning, bringing all of us here together. And it's Easter. It is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You transform our lives, make us new, and we are so grateful. God, you've given us a new path to be on. Thank you for eternal life. Those that are sorting through um, their sin, repentance, issues of turning to you, I pray that you bring clarity and courage to take the step of faith and obedience to Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.